as I said, it is Missions Month, and we're thrilled to uh, also be a church that while we can't send every one of you out into all of the world as full-time missionaries or you haven't felt that call yet on your life, I would love to do that. Uh, but we are able to partner with others who have followed God's call on their life. And one of those that we've recently entered into a partnership with is uh, Gordon and his wife Dory and their kids. And they serve in Zhongshan, uh, which is not too far from here. And they work with team. I'm not going to tell you much more. I'm going to let him do that. But Gordon, thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to turn the morning over to you. Lord, I thank you uh, for Gordon and the ministry you have called he and his family to. I thank you uh, for the faithfulness with which uh, they have uh, interacted in ministry. And I just ask that you would strengthen them for the journey, that you would empower them to make difference, uh, make a difference in the community you've placed them in. Lord, thank you for bringing them back to their roots in one sense. And so we, we just trust you in that and ask that you would open our hearts to what you have for us today. In your name I pray. Amen. Can I get a stand? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So good to be here this morning. Um, I actually remember coming to this church about 10 years ago because we were in Hong Kong and um, we went to the Kowloon Tong Chinese Alliance Church. And so for some reason, I think it was an English fellowship. We came down here uh, regularly. So I almost forgot how to come back here. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, but thank you again for... The introduction. Technical okay, technical. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you for having us. Um, and thank you also for your support. Uh, as Pastor mentioned this morning, we've just entered into a partnership together, and, and uh, your church has been supporting our center, which I'll tell you a little bit about in a minute. Um, this morning, I'd like us to read from the text um, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to, 20, to 12. Um, I don't know how you usually read it. Do you want to read with me? Can we read it together? No? You want me to read it? <laughs> okay, I'll read it. Okay. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel have come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Um, well, my family, uh, we've been serving in China the last 10 years. And before that, we were in Canada, and I worked as a computer programmer, engineer, but I was also an English pastor for two years. And my wife worked as a registered nurse, and she took care of cancer patients, as well as doing some research for a doctor. I'd like to use the story of Moses this morning to guide my sharing. Uh, first, I'd like to tell you how we were called to China. I found it very interesting that God was doing something near Moses. This bush that was burning and yet not being consumed, it caused Moses to kind of wonder what's going on and to go over and investigate. Investigating, I think, is part of God calling us. Um, it, was, it may be something God is doing right here in your city or in a nearby city. It could be halfway around the world. Um, and sometimes when it catches our eyes and we, we begin to look over and see what God is doing, that can be the first step of a calling. After my wife and I were married, we went to Urbana. How many of you have been to Urbana? Okay, some of you have been to Urbana. It's a mission conference in the U.S., and I had been to Urbana previously. I, was, I felt called to be a missionary at, a, at an Urbana. And then after we got married, we went to another Urbana. And it was at this Urbana that my wife felt called to investigate uh, the missions and see what it was about. Well, that year, that was uh, 1996. And afterwards, we started investigating, uh, going to other churches. Uh, we had opportunities when we were traveling. And it seemed like every church we went to had a presentation on China. So we felt maybe God wants us to go to China uh, to investigate. And so by 1997, uh, we were interested in going to China, but we didn't know where to go, who to go with, uh, when to go. And so we went to another mission conference in Toronto. That's where we're from, Toronto. And this small mission conference is called uh, Mission Fest. And when we were at this Mission Fest conference, uh, this one brother came up to me and he said, hey, I'm looking for a computer guy and a nurse to go to China this summer. And I thought, wow, okay, I'm a computer guy and my wife's a nurse and we want to go to China this summer. So we thought, this must be God's leading. And so we went with this brother and he took us to a city called Hoiping, or in Mandarin, it's Kaiping. Uh, any of you have ever been there? From there? Okay, some of you have been there. <laughs> Um, and so we went there for three weeks in 1998, investigating what God was doing, and our investigation turned into a call. We knew God wanted us to return as long-term missionaries. In Exodus 3-4, uh, it says that God called out to Moses. He got Moses' attention, and Moses said, here I am. And uh, he said to God, I'm available, basically. And we felt that our trip to Hoiping uh, was our first step to say to God, we're available, use us. So we went back to Canada. We joined TEAM, the Evangelical Alliance Mission, in 1998, and we were preparing to be long-term missionaries. Uh, and during our time of deputation, raising support, 
we asked him, uh, could you send us to Hong Kong for eight months? Uh, we said, really, we are one missionary together. I have the Bible, but not the language. And my wife has the language, but not the Bible. And so he said, together we can go to Hong Kong. And they let us go <laughs> for eight months because uh, we, th- we said to them, it's better for her, my wife to learn the Bible in Cantonese in Hong Kong because she grew up in Hong Kong. And uh, I can learn some Cantonese there as well. So they let us come in the year 2000. And that's why we were, uh, we were actually around here. And so during that year, uh, during that eight months, I studied at the Chinese University learning some Cantonese. And my wife studied at the Evangelical Seminary here in Hong Kong. After the eight months was over, we went back to Canada. We wanted to switch over to uh, full-time missionary status. And uh, we had a few things we had to deal with. Um, our, our home church had some uh, issues they wanted us to help with, so we stayed a little longer to, for that. Our families had some problems. We had to stay and help our families. My oldest son was born, so all these things happened. And we, it took us about four years before we finally came back to Hong Kong and, uh, and China. Um, as we look at the story of Moses, God tells Moses that he will deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And he sends Moses back to his homeland to lead the people out of Egypt. Moses spent the first 40 years of his life in Egypt. And then he spends the next 40 years of his life in Midian. So really, Moses was 80 years old when God was calling him to go back to Egypt through the desert, uh, back to his homeland. Ten years ago, Doris and I returned to our roots, China. Um, And China has changed a lot over these last ten years. In fact, I'd like to take a minute to share with you some facts about China. Um, You know, you'll hear a lot about about missions and, and having a heavy focus on the city in the cities, and people are moving out of the rural areas into the cities, and you'll see that happening in China. It says that there are now over 160 cities in China that has more than a million people. Canada, or U.S. has 10, uh, depends on how you count the population, and Canada has about six, but China has 160. And they said... Um, By the year 2025, China will add 350 million more people to their cities in the next 10 years. That is more than the population of the USA. He said in the next 10 years, China will have 220 cities with over 1 million people. And by 2030, their urban population will reach 1 billion people. Just staggering as as I... heard about these facts and they also said every day there are 44,000 babies born in China I asked the Iwana kids yesterday this and, and uh, they were they almost got this, this answer but um, it's about 16 million every year now these statistics are I think a few years old um, and so really you should probably add more to them because now they're allowing two babies uh, per couple not just one so this was for the one baby uh, Statistics. Uh, the trend is in missions is to reach the cities. There is still a need to reach the rural areas, but there's a huge need to reach the cities. Um, they said about 100 years ago, the population of the, of the world in cities was about 8%, and now it's about 50%. And, and of course, that, that percentage continues to increase as more and more people move to the cities. 
So by the year 20, 2005, my family went, uh, moved to Hoi Ping after we spent a year in, in, in Hong Kong. And Hoi Ping has a population of about 700,000 people. It's also known as the land of the watchtowers. So if you ever get a chance to go there, you'll see they have about 1,800 watchtowers in this little area. Um, we served on a team with four families. We worked together with the government church, helping them to build up the believers and the pastoral staff there. And during our first term in Hoi Ping, uh, our team leader came and told us he's going back to the U.S. so his son can get a high school education. And he encouraged the other three families uh, to go to and find another city to serve in because we felt that the church there was getting quite mature and they were able to stand on their own two feet without the help of the missionaries because the missionaries had been there since the 1920s or they had a presence there starting in the 1920s. And so by in the year 2009, uh, we found another team missionary who also wanted to go to this city called Jungsan. Jungsan is about an hour and a half from here by boat, and I'll show you that in a a map in a second. Um, Jungsan is also known as the the, uh, father of modern China, Dr. Sun Yat-sen. But here's a picture of the map. We see Hong Kong on the far right, Jungsan circled in red, and Hoiping or Kaiping further further west. Um, When Doris and I got married... We didn't know that we both had roots in Jungsan. Her father was born in Jungsan, and my father was born in Jungsan. I guess we never asked each other where our fathers was born when, <laughs> when we got married. So later we found out, you know, both of our fathers are from Jungsan. We should go back to Jungsan and see what's happening there. And maybe we felt God was calling us back to our roots. Doris's father came to visit a few years ago, and he visited the little museum in Jungsan that spoke of her, uh, Doris's grandfather, his father, who helped to finance Dr. Sun Yat-sen's revolution. And then he went back to see his old home in Jungsan. He had left there about 60 years ago, and so he came back to see his, his home. The first time I went to Jungsan, I found my father's village, and I remember going into the village hall, and they had these posters on the wall. It was a family tree. And I said, oh, my dad would love to see this. So I started taking pictures of these big posters on the wall. And I wanted to show my dad. And this one guy came up to me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking pictures to show my dad. He said, why don't you buy the book? I said, oh, <laughs> there's a book. <laughs> I didn't know there was a book. So, so, yes, I bought the book. I said, I'll give a copy to my dad. It's, uh, it's the, the whole ancestors of the Lui. That's my last name, Lui. And so um, Doris is looking through this book, and she said, hey, this guy's got the same name as my son. And the father has the same name as, oh, this is us. <laughs> so we found out we were in the book. <laughs> and uh, there's this, the three circles are my son, myself, and my father. And it actually found out that um, we went to a wedding uh, last year, two years ago. And, and during this wedding, we found it was my great-grandfather's descendants. And so we, we, were, it was, we were invited to their wedding in Jungsan. And so that was kind of a neat thing to do, to find our ancestors. Uh, when my son was born, my father telephoned his sister and said, this is 
you know, the son's name, and that's how his name got written in the book. Uh, and then, of course, they did that for my second son, but they haven't printed that book yet, so we're still waiting for the next edition to come out. Um, my dad went back to Jongsan and after 60 years, and he met, this is in, our, in the village right across uh, the, his house. This was this man's house, and they recognized each other. They were classmates uh, 60 years ago. So my father's on the left, and his classmate was on the right. Um, my dad's house was very run down. There was, uh, the roof was leaking, and, and uh, we thought it was going to fall apart soon. So my dad decided that he would renovate it. So after about a year and a half, he renovated it, and <laughs> looks quite different now. Um, my dad was planning to return to see this new building, but weeks before he decided to come, he found out he had cancer, and then he passed away a year later. So he never got to see the finished home. Um, but now, he, before he passed away, he accepted Christ, and he has a better home in heaven now. This is the second level of our new home there. No one lives there, but we've had uh, special meetings in this home, uh, and the church leaders have used it for meetings as well. In fact, uh, a few kilometers from my dad's home is this church that we found, and it turns out when we talked to the pastor there, we found out uh, this is a place that we felt we could serve in. And so we've been serving in this government church for the last five years. Um, the, some of the people that go to the church actually have the same last name as myself because they're my distant relatives. And so it's kind of weird asking, what's your name? And they say, Mr. Loy. Oh, Mr. Loy. I'm Mr. Loy. <laughs> and so finding out that they are my distant relatives. Um, well, Doris also found uh, her father's home, and I found my father's home. And actually, my mom, her parents are both from Jongsan. So all of my grandparents are from Jongsan. And so earlier this year, this, uh, a friend invited us to uh, a farm in the, in the mountainside of Jongsan. And I told him that my grandparents are from this area, this, this district. And he said, oh, what's the name of your grandfather? And I said, it's Ku, uh, or in Chinese, it's Gu. And so he said, there's a Gu village right across from us, right here. <laughs> and he says, let's go in. So he took me to this Ku village, and uh, we're looking around and asking people, does anybody know my grandfather? And uh, nobody really knew my grandfather. That was like 100 years ago. <laughs> and so, um, and then uh, we, we found out this is probably not my grandfather's village because he read my grandfather's memoirs and said, oh, your, your grandfather's village changed names and he thinks it's on the other side of the mountain, and so he says, I'll take you when I have a minute. So I'm still waiting to go and check out my grandfather's village there. Um, I'd like to share some of the struggles and difficulties in China that we faced. Um, oops, I forgot to show you this picture. There's the wrong Ku village, but we'll find the right one one day. Um, this is our team here, my family. Uh, my wife Doris, my older son Caleb, and, and then Joshua. And uh, just to show you our team in Jongsan, Mary is the other team missionary that serves with us. And last year, uh, we had this other couple join us. Um, they are close to retirement age, but they came out for uh, about two years. Um, it's Simon and Daisy. Daisy's ancestry is also from Jongsan. So we seem to be... Uh, 
attracting people who are from Jongsan. That, that doesn't mean we only serve with people from Jongsan. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to, uh, let me see. In Kaiping, where we serve, this is the very, very first um, church that was established in Kaiping. Um, I really think that when Moses accepted the call, uh, he gave a couple of excuses first, but eventually accepted the call to serve, you know, he could have began to say, God, you know, I'm 80 years old. I'm kind of getting old. <laughs> uh, you don't want this 80-year-old guy going through the desert, you know. And, and uh, I really think that it doesn't matter how old or young we are, God can use us. Um, because when, when Doris and I were back in Canada, we had a chance to lead a short-term team back to Kaiping. And so we came to this church, and there was this one sister in Toronto. She was about 60 years old. And uh, she saw the team that we were putting together, and some of them were, most of them were young people, and they can sing and dance and do drama or whatever. And, and she said, uh, she turned to me and said, uh, Pastor Gord, I'm, I don't think I should go. I said, why not? She said, well, I don't really sing, and I don't do drama, and I don't, you know, I can't do anything. I said, what do you mean you can't do anything? You can share your faith, right? She said, yes, I can share my faith. I said, well, come. So she came to China and she came to this church in Kaiping, and it turned out that her father's village was right beside this church. She did not know that when she signed up to come. And so she went into this village and said, does anybody know my grandfather or father? And she found her relatives, you know, from this village right beside this church that she didn't even know anything about. And a few days later, she led her relatives to Christ. You know, this is someone that said, I don't know if I can go what I can do in China, but she shared her faith. And even though she doesn't uh, sing or do drama, she, she gave haircutting classes. <laughs> Some people want to learn how to cut hair. And then she had cooking classes. And so God used her, whatever gift she had, to uh, bless the people there. Um, <clears throat> this is the same sister that wasn't sure if she should join us on a short-term trip. But she said to God, here I am, use me. And he did. Uh, many times we look at our shortcomings and, and we compare ourselves to others and think, God can't use me, but uh, God can. Uh, Moses felt that he was not able to speak. And, you know, I've looked into the life of Moses quite extensively, and I think that it was not a physical stuttering problem that Moses had. Some people uh, think it's a stuttering problem. I think it might have been a language barrier. Uh, and the reason I think that is because Moses was, uh, as an infant, his, his real mother took care of him until he, she passed him on to Pharaoh's son. And then he started learning the ways of the Egyptian language, the Egyptian culture. He grew up as Pharaoh's son. And then he left Egypt at the age of 40, spent 40 years in Midian, probably learning the Midian language. And then God calls him. And he says, I can't speak. And I think what he was saying was, I can't speak Hebrew anymore. It's been over 40 years or 80 years almost since I've learned some Hebrew. And so God says to him, I will, there's Aaron. He will speak for you. He can be your mouth. He can be your, your tongue. But, you know, later on in Moses' life, you don't see him using Aaron as an interpreter anymore or someone who helps him speak. He is speaking directly to the Israelites. So I think he, remember, he started to remember his Hebrew and then it was no longer a problem for him. 
Returning to one's roots can sometimes be a little scary, especially with the language. The first time I went to China, I did not speak a single word of Chinese. I can speak English, and I spoke some French, uh, but I did not know Cantonese or Mandarin. Uh, In the year 2000, I learned some Cantonese, and we went back to Canada, and I came back in 2004. I kind of forgot most of my Cantonese, sad to say. And then I remember coming to Hong Kong, taking a cab from the taxi, going to where we're going, and I asked the cab driver, could I have a receipt? And trying to remember my Cantonese. And he sort of looked at me and said, what do you want? I said, I'd like a receipt, please. And he really didn't understand my Cantonese. And, and I finally had to say to him in English, I would like a receipt, please. <laughs> and then he said, oh, you better stick to English. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really thought hard. What, why didn't he understand that? And then I realized I was asking for an egg instead of receipt. <laughs> It was a difference in the tone, and I, I really bad with my tones. Um, I always thought the easiest place to, to order was McDonald's. You go to McDonald's, and you see the numbers, and you say, I want number five or number three or whatever. And I said, this is the best place to practice my Cantonese, because how hard can it be? So I went up to one lady, and I said, uh, can I have the number five meal, please? And she says, what do you want? And, uh, you know, using my Cantonese, I said, I'd like number five, please. And she said, what? And she was so angry at me. (laughs) She just grabbed the Big Mac meal and gave it to me. And I thought, that's weird. I I wanted the chicken burger. (laughs) 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 And And I really pondered on this for a long time. And then I realized I wasn't saying number five. I was saying, can I have something not good, please? And, and she, she really got upset at me, and she gave me a Big Mac. So I know Big Macs are not good for you, because <laughs> that's what I asked for. <laughs> for a Chinese-Canadian uh, who doesn't speak a lot of Chinese, returning to Hong Kong and then China was quite challenging. Um, in Hong Kong, we, my classmate and I would go to the market, and he's, he's not Chinese, and he would say two words in Chinese, and... And they would say, wow, your Chinese is so good. And then I'd say the exact same two words, the same way, and they'll say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> they'll say, are you, are you Mexican? <laughs> are you Japanese? <laughs> so, you know, in Hong Kong, um, I had to learn complex characters in Hong Kong. And then I had to learn uh, Cantonese. And I had to learn how to speak Cantonese, uh, which is different the spoken, the written Cantonese is spoken this different than this, the way you speak it. So I felt like I was learning like three languages here. And then I moved back to China, and then they're learning Mandarin, and then it was simplified, and, and now I felt I was learning five languages. <laughs> and so I'm still learning them. <laughs> um, but living in China had other challenges too besides language. On one occasion, we had a terrible flood, and it was the worst flood to hit Hoiping in 50 years, um, the water actually rose up to our waists in, in, in this part of the city. In fact, just riding your bicycle was really hard. Um, it was so deep. We lived on the fifth floor, so the only thing that got water damage was our garage. Um, but then our homeschool was on the ground floor, and so everything got, got sort of uh, was underwater. The computer was underwater. Everything was underwater, just damaged. Uh, So we had to replace a lot of books and and computers. Although we saw a lot of difficulties in China, um, 
Dorsten and I can truly say that we saw God's hand of grace at work too uh, many times. We had opportunities to help different people, uh, both believers and unbelievers. In August of 2007, Doris and some sisters from the church uh, visited this young woman who was actually living in a cage because her mom thought that she was crazy. But by God's grace, they convinced the mom to let her out of the cage, and she went and got help in the hospital. She accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, and today she's living a normal life by God's grace. In a small village in Hoiping, we saw this elderly couple who was very poor. Uh, they attended church. They were believers, um, but their house was falling apart. So we helped raise some money by God's grace and helped them renovate their home. And so seeing people get the help that they needed was, a, was one of the joys of serving Jesus in a foreign land. It turned out this brother, this elderly brother, never really got to enjoy his home because he passed away soon after his house was renovated. But he had peace knowing that his wife uh, would be well taken care of, not just with this new home, but by the church and by the Lord. And so he has a better home now in heaven as well. One of the things uh, I get to do in China is to teach English. And I can honestly say China could use a lot more English teachers. Uh, just look at some of their signs. This menu says snake instead of snack. <laughs> <laughs> How would you like to order a snake? I mean a snack. <laughs> I saw another menu item. It said fish juice. Fish juice. And it took me a while to realize they meant fresh juice. <laughs> it's, it's quite a difference. Um, in a parking lot, I saw that they used the wrong word for plane. So I thought they can let airplanes land here if they wanted. <laughs> Sometimes it's not very glamorous to have your name publicly posted for all to see. When I was teaching English in Hoiping, I taught with two other classmates, and their names were Craig and Dustin. And there was, on this building, there was a sign that they posted our names on for everyone to see, and, and they kind of had the names wrong. They said, Dust instead of Dustin. <laughs> and they said, Gorge instead of Gordon. <laughs> Now, I've been called a lot of things in my life, but never gorge. <laughs> so you can see they really do need a lot more English teachers to <laughs> help them out. Teaching English has been one of the ways that we've uh, reached out to people. About eight years ago, um, I was working teaching English in a factory, and uh, the human resource guy came up to me, and he said, the first thing he says to me is, are you a Christian? Just out of the blue. And I said, yes. And he says, me too. And so we struck a friendship that day, and, and then he moved on to another city, and I didn't see him very often, but we kept in touch. And uh, you know, I started to wonder about his Christianity, because uh, one time he came to visit us, and uh, he said, when he was in our church, he looked around, and he said, where's Jesus? And I said, what do you mean? He said, my daughter wants to know where Jesus is. She said... Um, in our church, and I guess they went to another church, he's on the cross, but he's not on your cross. Where did he go? <laughs> I said, oh, we believe in the resurrection, <laughs> not just the death of Christ. And so uh, I think that they probably attended a Catholic church. Um, but then later on at another Christmas event, he came with his wife and child, and he turns to me and he says, Christmas is about God, right? 
I said, yes, <laughs> that's right. And so he definitely had some holes in his understanding of Christianity. Um, and so our team began to reach out to him, uh, especially last year. And last year, his, his wife and himself believed in Christ. And, and now we are discipling them, our whole team. And so we just, all that started from uh, teaching English to this one fellow. Um, <clears throat> for f- the last four years, we opened a community center and we've been teaching English in our community center. And that's the center that your church is also helping to support. Uh, and so we thank you again. We've been teaching English to kids, uh, to youth, and even some adults. We try to make English more fun and natural for them, not just reading the textbook and memorizing words. Um, we don't want it to be so, uh, I guess, they do a lot of memorizing in their school already. So we feel they can relax with us and so we try to make it more fun for them and so you can see we use games a lot to help uh, help them just practice and, and get used to teaching learning English uh, but we do take time to teach them grammar and uh, reading skills and writing skills our co-worker Mary she uh, helps with counseling she's a licensed counselor in China she teaches marriage workshops parenting workshops and has other types of uh, counseling classes uh, this one guy, Harry, he came to us for eight months. He's from Hong Kong originally, studied in Canada, and then came and joined us. And um, it was just fun having Harry there for helping out. Uh, we started an online high school program. Uh, my son is now the only student in this high school, um, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, he, he studies all his classes online, and it's offered in the USA, and then he will graduate with a diploma from the state of Ohio when he finishes grade 12. And so we are opening up to other students, so pray for us as we try to recruit more students. Um, like I said, we don't have other students yet, but we do want to help uh, the locals. Uh, if any of them wants to send their kids to high school or university, that uh, we are in the works of providing that kind of service for them. Harry also helped me teach English at a factory called Mondelez, which is formerly known as Kraft. Uh, some of you may have heard of Kraft, uh, cookies or cheese and stuff like that. And so um, we've just uh, tried different ways of connecting with people. Our community center reaches about 30 people, 30 families a week uh, through our center, teaching them English. Uh, and then through our counseling, we've contacted probably over 50 different people trying to reach out to them. And some of the families now are getting closer to uh, believing in Christ. The last thing I'd like to share this morning is how we're partnering with different groups so you can get a feel for uh, the many different opportunities in our city. In the year 2012, the Hong Kong Seminary in Mao San, they, uh, the, one of the professors brought most of his students to join us on a short-term team. And they came, they helped uh, teach some English, do some crafts, but also help the church there. Um, last year we had a Toronto team, or actually this Toronto team, uh, they've come, this church have come almost every year to Jungsan, and they helped do English camps. They also helped uh, in the church um, doing visitations. One, one of the pastors, uh, they came to my village. They, they met um, a family. They met the elderly uh, man in the family, and they shared Christ with him, and he accepted Christ. And then a few days later, he passed away. And so the family asked them, 
who their Toronto pastors. They, he had, they asked them to lead the funeral service, and they were able to have a ministry there in Jungsan. Um, <clears throat> in April last year, we had a group from the USA come uh, during Easter time, and Harry, who you saw in a, a few minutes ago, he helped put together an amazing race for the students, the parents, and these uh, foreigners. And so we had a great time uh, reaching out to these families as well. Uh, and our home church came last year with, together with uh, another church here in Hong Kong, and uh, we did Jesus is Our Superhero. <laughs> that was the theme of our English camp last year. And so uh, it may be a small group. We've had small groups come, three, four, five, six people. We've had larger groups come, 15, 18 people, uh, 20 people. Uh, some come for a few weeks. Some come for three months. Some of one guy's come for 10 months. And uh, we've um, just been blessed to have different groups partner with us. Um, yeah, I think about Moses, how when he got really busy in his ministry, his father-in-law said to him, um, let's appoint different people, you know, um, men who are able to make decisions so that all of it doesn't fall on your shoulders. And they began appointing men over groups of 50, 100, you know, and, and these men helped shoulder the load for Moses. And so whatever difficulties they had, they came and brought it to Moses. And that's, I feel that's, that's been the same way with the different groups that have come. A lot of times they help come and share the load of the ministry with us. And uh, it's been a great blessing. So I encourage you, whether you're young or old, um, come and investigate what God is doing. And it could be in China. It could be here in the city. Uh, listen to what God is doing and say to God, I am willing. Uh, use me, however that may be. Maybe he wants you to serve in this church as an elder, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, an usher. Uh, be willing Make yourself available to the Lord, and he will use whatever gifts you have. Um, I still remember one guy, he came to me. Uh, he, I got connected through him, through another friend, and he told me that he wanted to go back to Hoi Ping because he was from Hoi Ping. He left when he was a kid. He's retired now. He lives in Canada, and he said, I want to go back and make an impact in Hoi Ping, go back to my roots. And so I, I said, he said, I don't know anybody in Hoi Ping. Uh, but I heard you, you served in Hoi Ping. I said, yes, we can connect you with the church there. And so I, I introduced him to the church members. And then after that, even though he's retired, he would go back to Hoi Ping about five months every year uh, from Canada. And then he, he would help reestablish their Sunday school, help train the pastors, help start up the fellowships. And, uh, and then he'd go back to Canada and he'd come back and see how they did. And if they needed any more help, he'd help them again. So he's been doing that for the last four or five years, uh, going back to, to his roots uh, to make an impact. And uh, wherever your roots are, maybe God would ask you to go back. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been back there. Um, maybe it's, you can be a blessing to go back there. You know, to, to have Chinese, Canadian, Chinese Americans, or Chinese from Hong Kong come into uh, China... And serve. It's it's a great blessing because many times they already have the language. They don't have to struggle through the language like I did. <laughs> um, or sometimes they, they just know some things, and uh, maybe they they left when they're young. But 
having a little bit of, of the language even can be a great blessing. People would see that you're trying to use the language and, and uh, that can really open doors. They often treat us like locals, even though we're not really locals, but they, th- they treat us more like a local because we're Chinese and we have Chinese roots there. In fact, one time they introduced my wife who was speaking in the church as... This is the, the wife of the husband who lives in our vill- who's from our village. <laughs> That's how they introduced her. Um, and so we've really been blessed to, to go back to our roots and to serve there and to help out the church. And uh, I encourage you, if you have an opportunity to go back, uh, see what God is doing, uh, especially in China. There's a great need there. And if you'd like to come and visit us, by all means, um, we're, we're open to that so we can talk about it again. Um, let's just close in prayer. I thank you so much for this time of sharing. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your love, not just for the people of China, but for all the people around the world. That you gave your only son to die for us, that we might believe and come back into a relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that um, whether we have an opportunity to go back to our roots or maybe you're calling us to serve in other places that, that you are faithful God that you said you'd be with us even to the end of the age and you call us to go and make disciples and so Lord as you lead and as you give us opportunities this coming year I pray that we would all take those opportunities and serve you with all of our hearts wherever we are so that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand.